0: So we've talked a lot about tyrants. In fact, we just had an episode a couple episodes ago where we were talking about uh, tyrants. And we've been kind of teasing for a while that we're going to really dive into World War II history shortly in in upcoming episodes. But we can't really do that in one episode because 15 minutes to talk about a, well, how many years was it? Like a seven-year, 10-year war is just impossible. There's too much. And there's too much that still kind of impacts us today, I think. And so that's why I really wanted to take the time to kind of talk about it. So today, we're, we're going to be building the foundation for that, and we're going to talk about someone who's probably the world's most infamous villain, and that's Adolf Hitler, who a lot of you have probably heard about, whether you know a lot about him or a lot. People try to demonize people. by being like, oh, that's just like Hitler. That politician's just like Hitler. But to be fair, there's been one Hitler, and we're going to talk about him today. So just a little background. He was born on April 20th, 1889. His family bounced back and forth between Germany and Austria, and Austria is actually right next to Germany. They have a lot in common, but they are not the same country. In fact, if you were to tell somebody that during World War II, they'd be very mad. Just watch Sound of Music. That's a good (laughs) example. But his childhood was described as very unhappy. So he was orphaned at a young age when his parents died. To make things worse, um, all of his siblings, but one of them died, and he wasn't very close to them, I think, was a sister. So obviously that would make things pretty hard. You know, that that would make life pretty hard for for young Hitler. But, you know, we've talked about our – he's not a hero, but we've talked about heroes before, and they've always overcome really hard childhoods, and then they've overcome all these obstacles to become really extraordinary. Well, here we have an example of someone who did not do that, right? Hitler is no hero. So here you have somebody who was angry about his childhood, who was angry about his circumstances, and instead of trying to better them, he just – really just kind of descended into anger and bitterness and then evil. So he got expelled from school. He eventually moved to Vienna, which is in Austria. And he wanted to be an artist, which always makes me laugh for some reason, how somebody so evil could want to just like paint trees. But the funny thing about this is he was a a terrible artist. So he couldn't even do that. So it's just kind of a funny story to me to see how, how he got to where he was. One of his teachers actually said that he lacked any artistic talent which made him even more bitter so he's penniless he's unable to make it as an artist he has no family he decides he's going to be an architect he moves to munich which is another place in germany
1: he didn't even it, make it as an architect he either, didn't
0: though. no exactly
1: the, the guy can't catch a break which I, you you got to wonder had he had like a decent talent let's say for being an architect would he have then you know just lived a, a content life as an architect and mm. What was it? His failures and so many things that led him to feel bitter, angry, yeah. fulfilled I, I sometimes wonder about that. That you know, this talentless guy felt angry at the world and wanted to take it out on other people. And what would life have been like had had young Adolf, you know, had some talent? So you know, then the, we t- mentioned World War Two. That means there was a World War One, of course. Yes, and uh, we'll get into that on yes. a future episode as well. But when World War One broke out, Germany was, of course, very involved, and uh, and he signed up. And you know, he was a, a good soldier as far as soldiering goes. So I guess here's his talent: is like you know, uh, following, order, following orders, following uh, orders, barking orders at other people, uh, you know, being able to hurt or kill other people. So he's he's a you know decent soldier. In fact, even perhaps a good soldier. He he won awards for his bravery, and. It's right around this time that he becomes kind of obsessed with German pride. Of course, you think of like your local hometown, you know, college or high school, there's rivalries, right? And it's our sports team is going to crush your sports team and everyone cheers for the home team. And there's the, kind of this tribal mentality with which uh, humans, you know, treat one another. And kind of this us versus them. Well, if, if it's that way with sports, it's definitely that way with war, right? Yeah. Like, hey, that country is attacking us. They're all evil. We we need to win. Go us. You know, we're so much better. And of course, the other side is saying the same thing. And so you get these like tribal tendencies where this isn't just basketball or football. This is people's lives.
0: Literally death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so Hitler like feeds into this. He He becomes obsessed, as I said, with with german pride that tribalistic you know germans are superior we ought to you know no longer be punished or suppressed and uh, and so he has this passion almost for war as part of this this tribal tendency well at the uh, at, at the you know end of world war 1 there's this financial um, mess that germany is in and uh, as a result of that uh, germany is is being really financially punished we're we're going to just spare a lot of the details here for lack of time this is worth its own study later on and we'll get into this a little bit more when we get into the world war 1 episode where we're talking today about hitler the details are a little less relevant but but germany is being punished and and the the currency is being inflated, the money, just like in the Creature from Jekyll Island, they had their own version of, uh, of the Federal Reserve, the Creature, and so the money is just being uh, devalued. People are really starving. Uh, there's a lot of problems in Germany, and people are desperate, desperate to get out of these economic problems. They're blaming the other countries for punishing them after World War One, um, and so then you have people trying to step forward who offer quote unquote solutions. Uh, There's many political parties here in America. We're used to like the Republicans and the Democrats and then, you know, little third parties, the Libertarian Party, the Constitution Party. Party. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, And throughout Europe, you know, for a long time, there's been tons of political parties and there's not like two major ones. There's, you know, some that are more influential than others, but there's a, you know, you can have one government congress parliament or whatever where there's like a dozen parties represented within you know the the overall legislature and so there was the nazi party but uh, at first there were tons of different parties in germany all of these people trying to say this is what germany should do and that's what germany should do so so hitler uh, you know he starts to think up his own solutions again tied to that german pride about how they can overcome and what they can do to reassert themselves and restore german pride And people start listening. I mean, he's a good speaker. He's persuasive. He's passionate. People like listening to him. And again, people are so desperate for solutions, they're looking for, and this is a human tendency we certainly see in our own day and in our own country, people want someone else to solve their problem for them. Right? People are looking for someone with ideas or solutions saying, hey, this is happening to you, that's not right, I'm gonna help you out. And, and this is why politicians so often rise to power is because they make these promises and people want solutions. They want someone else to fix it. And that was the case with the Germans and with Hitler as he slowly, but then quickly started rising in influence. As people started listening to him, he gained a following, right? Because people wanted a strong leader. They wanted Germans' pride to be restored. They wanted all these injustices after World War I Uh, to be overturned. They wanted the, the, the monetary, the economic situation to be fixed. And so when Hitler came around as a really persuasive, passionate speaker offering these plans that were seen as solutions to Germany's problems, a lot of Germans listened.
0: One little side note, you mentioned he, you know, he's a good speaker. I learned this from that tyrant documentary we mentioned a couple episodes ago. But he got discovered as a speaker, quote unquote, because he was actually an undercover spy for the government trying to squash like uh, like small groups of political dissidents. And he went to, I don't remember, it was like some group that was essentially anti-Jewish you know, people and he heard them speak and he became infuriated. So he like overtook their meeting and just started screaming as he did when he spoke. And that's how his speaking career started. So I just thought that was a little bit of an interesting little tidbit. But one of the scariest part about Hitler's rise to power is that it was done democratically and, you know, you and I have said a lot of times that democracy is not this great thing, right? I can't remember who said it, but democracy is two wolves and a sheep arguing over what's for dinner and right. obviously the wolves are going to win. So I think I, I think Hitler's actually a perfect example of this because it wasn't like he cheated to come into power. Um, they believed, the people believed in his message. Like you said, Connor, they were so desperate to get out of the situation they were in. They needed a hero. Like they needed a hero. And I'm, obviously I'm saying that in quotations, he was a horrible man, but- but they needed anything. They're willing to do anything to get out of their situation. So he ends up ruling Germany from 1933 to 1945. You know, he is the reason we got into World War II, which again, we're going to do episodes on. And, and like Connor said, you really can't understand World War II also without understanding World War I. So we'll talk about that. And a lot of history professors prefer to just call it the Great World War now because they're so close. They kind of don't like separating them. Mm. But so, so Hitler is obviously the reason we got into it. His whole goal was to, to show the world German dominance. And I, and I think the shot heard around the world, so to speak, when it all started was when he invaded Poland, which is, which is near Germany. But it wasn't just, it's funny to me because the Germans, were they called the axis of evil? They didn't call themselves that, but that's what we called them, right? Mm-hmm. Right, okay, yeah. So it was Japan, it was Germany, it was Italy. The interesting thing about this is they all think they're on one team, but had, had they won the war... You know Hitler would have gone to war with Japan, right? It wasn't like he was just going to be like, all right, we all won. Yay, let's divide up the world. So, I mean, this was a war for, – for Hitler, this was a war for, for German dominance, and he blamed minorities of all sorts, but especially the Jews, for for everyone's problems. There was a word called unterminch. I'm gonna say that badly, but that basically means subhuman. So anyone who was not of Aryan blood, who was not, you know, what we would call, you know, white or whatever, German descent, anyone who wasn't like him or like them, they were considered underhumans. They didn't even count. He cared about life so little. I mean, you have to realize how much the individual just doesn't matter in that kind of society because you're grouped together by who your parents were, who your grandparents were. So really, really scary to live in that kind of climate. So he wanted to to rid the world of all these people who weren't like him. And that is, like I said, collectivism at its absolute worst.
1: Yeah, you don't even see people as individuals. They're just part of a group. And if you don't like that group or you blame that group for, you know, economic problems or political problems, anyone affiliated with that group is inherently part of the problem and uh, you know we're going to do an entire episode later on the holocaust yes uh, which is part of uh, the story of of the great war uh, world war ii um and uh and so he took his obsession with with race these subhumans as he called them to absolutely horrific levels he implemented what he called the final solution this was his plan to exterminate jewish people i mean totally racist this is genocide killing an entire group of people in the end i think it's around six million jewish people that he killed men women and children this is a bad bad dude but what's so interesting about people like this is they think they're doing something right right they don't think that they're evil people they see you know in his case he saw jewish people as a problem and so the the ends justified the means in other words because you know it was a moral problem to have jews in his eyes right then any means were justified to resolve that problem and so people in uh, in the shoes of a dictator like this have a very warped way of thinking and they justify all sorts of awful conduct like hitler did i mean and this wasn't just horror for jewish people of course many people were trying to help they'd be arrested they'd be imprisoned they'd be killed Right. Uh, Countries across the world, of course, now waging war, trying to defeat the Nazis and stop uh, all of this behavior. And then, of course, soldiers in those militaries and their loved ones and, you know, bystanders, uh, not pedestrian, civilians. Right. Not involved in the war. They're dying. So just absolute horror and destruction throughout the world, throughout Europe, certainly. Um, and and the important thing here is Hitler came kind of close to winning. Yeah, um, you know, he made the mistake of starting war on two fronts. He kind of split his resources. He made a tactical error. But this guy inspired Germans to rise to their cost, to see, you know, uh, America and England and these powers fighting against them as oppressors right as jewish sympathizers and all these things and really inspired people like cuz hitler he can't do this on his own he can't you know wage war on his own he needs to persuade millions of people to rise to this cause that shows the power of an idea in this case an evil awful idea yeah. <laughs> but an idea nonetheless that motivates people to action you know and, and and so hitler i mean the short version here is that when he finally saw he was going to lose he ended up killing himself because he didn't want to live in a world where his plan did not happen. He believed so deeply in his cause that he could not accept defeat. He took the coward's way out. He killed himself, and uh, and that was kind of the end of Hitler's story. Certainly not the story of uh, of the war. You know, there was a. We'll get into this on a subsequent episode, but there's still more to come. Uh, there's the Nuremberg trials, yes. where some of these uh, leftover Nazis were being held accountable in these judicial tribunals. But what's interesting, and, and for the book we're working on uh, down the road about political villains and, and uh, this, this guidebook we're doing about political villains, it, it's not even about Hitler and why he's so awful. It's about how could the people have let this happen, mm-hmm. right? Why did the culture, why did society go along with this? How could they be deceived? And so what can we learn from that, right? How can we not be deceived? How can we make sure that we don't go along with any would-be dictator, someone trying to rise to power? That I think is the interesting question for us as we think of stories like Hitler. It's not just, oh, here was this evil guy and all the bad things he do, but this curiosity about how did he get away with this? Why did people support this guy? What type of circumstances have to exist for a people, a, a person like this, Adolf Hitler, to gain any influence at all? What are the arguments? What is that? What is that idea that is so persuasive? that people are willing to die and kill over it. And that to me is a very interesting question to ask, um, which is why we're working on that book uh, that we'll have out soon. Brittany, thanks as always for chatting. We'll talk to you guys next time. Make sure you're subscribed, tuttletwins.com slash podcast. Until next time, Brittany, we'll talk to you later.
0: Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out tuttletwins.com
1: for more awesome content.